Good evening. Uh, if you don't know me, my name's Tom. Uh, I'm the, one of the curates here. Uh, and it's a joy to be with you speaking tonight. It's the first time I've had a chance to speak at the 6.30, so it's great to be here. And uh, I'd like to start um, by pointing out that although I was on the same cricket team as Richard earlier, I did actually score nine runs more than he did. So, <laughs> hashtag just saying. Um, uh, I did also, though, I think... Uh, I, I've got actually one more broken finger than, than he did. So, um, joke's on me. Um, so, tonight, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Comes up a lot in that reading, doesn't it? And these are some of the most quoted verses in the Bible, aren't they? Uh, it's the kind of thing that you might get before a big um, interview, job interview or a big exam, you know, your your mate or your mum or someone might WhatsApp it to you, like, immediately before going, be strong and courageous, the Lord your God is with you. And there's a really, sorry, I'm going to say it's a really bad children's song that goes with this as well, isn't there? You know, be bold, that one. Do we do we sing that here? Sorry, have I? <laughs> it's great. Um, uh, and it it's great because uh, strength and courage Strength and courage is always good, right? You can't have enough strength and courage, yeah? Well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not always. Hands up here if you've ever heard of a show, a TV show called The Weakest Link. Yeah? Wow, there's quite a few more like younger people than I thought. It hasn't been on for a while. So, um, uh, yeah, it was really big about 20 years ago, maybe 15 years ago. Um, and uh, it, um, if you've not seen it, it was kind of like there were 10 contestants and they all had to take turns to answer questions. And when you got a question right, you put money in a big communal pot. And at the end of each round, all the 10 uh, would vote for one person to be the weakest link and they would get voted off. And then the number of contestants would decrease until one person was left and they got all the prize money. Now, for some reason, I still don't know why, I decided it would be a good idea to go on The Weakest Link <laughs> and answer some questions. This was a long time ago when I was very, very young. Uh, I see, I did honestly look for a video clip, but it doesn't exist. So if anyone could find it, um, yeah, it, it's out there somewhere, but I couldn't track it down. I really wanted to show it to you tonight, and that shows, shows a level of vulnerability that I'm prepared to go to here with you, how much I trust you. But it was like, honestly, it was like the kind of love island of its day. It was like everybody kind of talked about it, like at work or school the next day. Um, so for some reason, I wanted to put myself out there and uh, go on the show. And the day of filming came, uh, and I'll be honest, I was absolutely terrified. Um, I was sitting in the green room with all the other contestants beforehand, and I was just like, why? Why did I do this to myself? This is all self-inflicted. What am I doing here? I got called into the studio, I stood behind my podium and the lights came up uh, and I realised if I was going to get through it without embarrassing myself, um, I was going to need to kind of muster up all my strength and courage. I was going to need to kind of somehow be as bold as I could possibly be to get through this um, experience in front of the whole nation. <laughs> be strong and courageous. I told myself, it'll be fine. And you know what? That's what seemed to happen. It was going well. Uh, first few rounds went fine. I answered all, almost all of the questions correctly. One guy got voted out because he didn't know which disciple betrayed Jesus. I was like, who doesn't know that? Um, 
but I wasn't in any danger of being voted off. I started to relax. It was all going really well until round four. And this is where it went a bit wrong. I think I just banked some money and I, um, by answering a question about Noddy and Big Ears. For some reason, I don't know why I remember that. So I was feeling really smug and, and happy with myself. But I came to the... Um, this, it was an unexpected banana skin question. It, it just got thrown in. The spotlight fell on me, and the presenter, Anne Robinson, looked at me and said, Tom, which kitchen utensil, beginning with W, is used for whipping cream? Anyone know the answer? Shout it out. <laughs> correct. That is the correct answer to that question. It's a pretty easy question, right? Yeah? Well, not for me. <laughs> for some reason, at that exact moment, I don't know why, my mind just froze and blanked completely. And I heard, coming out of my mouth, the word whip. <laughs> whip. Not whisk, whip. And it, it was so bad that like, I actually heard the production team laugh at me. <laughs> How could I have said that? It was whip. It was such a stupid answer. I know, it's not, I know you don't use a whip to whip cream. <laughs> you won't be surprised to hear that I was voted the weakest link at the end of that round, even though I wasn't, and I actually got the rest of the questions right. Uh, and that was the end of my very brief TV career. Uh, so on that occasion, being strong and courageous didn't really do me much good. Um, I still, to this day, break out in a cold sweat whenever I see a whisk. <laughs> My wife and friends have never let me forget it, so now you might not either. So thanks for that. So be strong and courageous. How then do we understand these words from this passage? When and how are we called to be strong and courageous? Clearly not on TV quiz shows, if you're me. But... Why don't we turn together to Joshua 1. I'd encourage you to have it open in front of you, um, and we'll explore this. And to really understand what's going on here, we're going to need to do a bit of a recap. Where are we at? Well, God's people, the Israelites, they've been slaves in Egypt, um, but God appoints Moses to lead them all to freedom. You remember the whole story about Moses parting the Red Sea and the people walking through and getting to the desert. And they live in the desert for a bit, and they get given some laws. God tells them how to live. And then at the same time as doing that, God says, I promise that I will lead you into a land of prosperity and blessing and fertility and just everything you're ever going to need. And that's what we know is the promised land. So, so far, so good. But it all goes a bit wrong here at this point. God, um, he brings the people right to the edge of the promised land and he commands Moses to send out some spies into the land so that people can go in, check it out, see what's going on there before they actually, the whole of the people move in and kind of take it um, by force almost. But the problem is the spies come back and they're disheartened, they're afraid. They say the people in the land are giants. Their cities are strong. There's no way we could ever conquer this land. They lose heart. And, and the problem is their fear then spreads like a virus through the rest of the Israelite people. And because they refuse to trust God's plan, they can't have his promise. So instead, 
God waits 40 years for that whole generation to die off. He says, you, because you haven't trusted me, you can't inherit this promise. I'm not going to lead you in. I'm going to wait until your children are kind of grown up and I'm going to lead them in instead because you didn't trust me. So that's where we join things today. That's our, the kind of beginning of our, of our reading today. So this is 40 years on from the kind of first go. Uh, and we're back again. It's a different generation, but they're back at the edge of the promised land. Moses has died, crucially, uh, and God appoints Joshua as his successor to kind of be the leader of the Israelites to take over and lead them into the promised land. And this is tough for Joshua because he was there the first time around. He was one of the spies that went into the land, and he was one of the few that actually believed in God's promise. But he knows what happened the first time around. He knows that the people missed a chance to go in because they didn't trust. So if you put yourself in his shoes, you might be pretty worried about history repeating itself. And I wonder, have you ever had this kind of like frontier moment, standing on the edge of like a new season? Maybe a, a new, um, I don't know, something like where things could go either way, where it looks like there might be joy and life ahead, but there's a huge kind of risk of failure that goes along with it. It could be like um, a new job. Maybe it's a new school or a new college or a new university or starting a new year or a gap year or something like that. You might be about to leave home and go to university for the first time. So what do we do in those kind of moments? What should our approach be? Often we... We read this passage like I did on The Weakest Link, and we go, it's fine. God will be with me wherever I go. Just be bold and have courage. All, all's going to be well. But like with me on the quiz show, we know how that ended. So it doesn't always work. Let's have a look in this passage what God actually says to Joshua. The first thing we notice, did you see this? Um, God seems to repeat himself. He says this thing three times, be strong and courageous. So why is he doing that? What's he getting at? Well, when we look at it more closely, we see that each time he says, be strong and courageous, he follows it up with a, a particular promise, okay? And let's look at, we're going to look at each one. Just really quickly, we're going to look at each time God says this and look at the promise that comes with it. So first one, verse six, be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. So God is saying to Joshua, you need to be strong and courageous, because I am giving you this land. Yeah? Not any other land. I've chosen this land for you, and I am giving it to you. So that's the first promise. You will inherit this land because this is God's plan. This isn't Joshua's plan. They're not going to win because of Joshua's skills as a military leader. This is God's plan, yeah? Second point, verse 7, second time he says this. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the laws my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. So he's saying there, God's saying to Joshua, be strong and courageous by sticking to my plan, and then you get the success. That's the second promise. You'll be successful, 
but it can't be on your terms. It can't be on Joshua's terms. It has to be on God's terms. And this is difficult, isn't it? Because we're surrounded today by a culture that tells us that we need to take control of stuff. To be our best selves. To kind of constantly expand our CVs. To revise harder to get the best grades. To work more hours. To get more money so that we can be more secure. But here, God is reminding Joshua that if he's going to lead these people into new territory, Joshua has to trust God and he has to stick to the plan. He can't just kind of decide halfway through to go off on his own thing just because he doesn't think it's going to work. It has to be God's plan. He has to stick to it. And it's so tempting to take control, isn't it? It's so tempting in our daily lives to think that we know better than God. It can't possibly be the right way to do this. To trust in our own strength and skill to kind of lead, um, lead ourselves into the future that we think God's giving us. You may know that um, before I started training for ordination, I was in the police. Uh, and I, was, I, I did that for about 13 years. Uh, and a few years ago, after I'd been in the police for about 10 years, I had a sense of, of God calling me into full-time ministry, which is ultimately how I ended up doing this. And at the time, though, um, my passion was in, um, and still is, but particularly in, in worship leading and, and kind of worship music. And because of this kind of dual thing about my passion in worship music and this calling into ministry, I was convinced that God was calling me to be a full-time, paid-up worship pastor in a, in a church somewhere. I was so sure that this must be the case that I kind of let this um, idea of, uh, of this kind of mythical church somewhere kind of become, uh, with, with a worship pastor vacancy, to become like an all-encompassing um, all-consuming ambition in my life. I was convinced that God had lined up a, an unsuspecting megachurch that was just in need of a leader. But I missed it. I missed it. I didn't stop to ask God if that was his plan. I kept asking him to bless what I wanted to do that wasn't listening to what he wanted me to do. I was so convinced, like in this reading, that he would be with me wherever I go, that I didn't listen to where he was actually leading. I was like, I don't know if you've seen the film The Greatest Showman, I was like um, the, the bearded lady from that, you know, she sings that song, you know, um, this is me, this is who I'm meant to be, this is me. I was consumed with kind of myself, So, verse 6, first promise, have courage because this is my plan. Second promise in verse 7, we just looked at, have courage, stick to my plan, then I will give you success. It's not this is me, it's this is God. Then the last time he says this to Joshua, verse 9, be strong and courageous, do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And God's saying here, when, we, when Joshua does stick to the plan, when we stick to the plan, he is with us wherever we go. That is an, 
you can't, that's an unbreakable promise. When we stick to the plan, he's always with us. It takes courage to take the first step, doesn't it? To step out into a new thing, a new season, a new situation. But once you've paused at the edge of this kind of frontier, whatever your moment is, whatever season you're coming into, when you stop and when you acknowledge whose plan it actually is, you can step out trusting him because he will be with you wherever you go. Now, that's not to say, it's not some kind of blank check for Joshua just to do whatever he wants. It's not a blank check for us to kind of say, well, fine, God's with me. I'm just going to crack on and, you know, live, live my best life now. But God is saying, when you trust me, I go with you. It's not the other way around. It's not him following us. It's when we trust him, he goes with us. So God is being really clear here with Joshua. He's saying through these three things, if you want my promise, you have to go with my plan, not yours. And let's face it, I don't know if you've got experience of this, but God's plans don't often make a lot of sense, do they, when it comes to it? When the rubber hits the road, often we think, what on earth is going on? Just think about Joshua. He's a great example. Think about the thing that happens a few chapters later, the Battle of Jericho. This is the first, you know, that he leads, Joshua leads the Israelites in, he crosses the Jordan, they come to the Promised Land. This is the first kind of key battle they're going to fight. And you think the, the thing that would make the most sense is for the Israelites to win the most amazing military victory and completely, you know, overcome um, the people of Jericho by their military strength. It's completely opposite of what happens. God tells them to walk around the city walls of Jericho for seven days and just make a load of noise. It's it's mental. It doesn't make any sense at all. But the walls just, on the seventh day, the walls just fall down. And the people walk in, the army walks in unopposed, and they have the complete victory over Jericho because they trusted in God's plan. It's not a military strategy, is it? But God says the same to us today. You might not think what I'm asking you to do makes any sense. But you need to trust me to do it my way. Be strong. Have courage. We can't have the promise without accepting the plan. So, as we kind of come in to finish... How? How do we do that? How do we accept God's plan? How do we put it above our own plan? Well, what does Joshua do? What did I not do with my worship pastor thing? Joshua stops and listens to God. He waits to hear God's voice. And when he hears his voice, he listens and he follows exactly what God tells him to do. He embraces God's crazy plan to defeat the armies of Jericho by just shouting loudly and playing some trumpets. 
It doesn't make any sense. But God has made the promise. And God is faithful because Joshua follows the plan. What about an even better example? How about Jesus? How does he accept God's plan? Well, do you remember, we read it a lot at Easter, that moment in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus is wrestling with this thing he knows is going to happen. He knows he's going to have to go to the cross. He knows this is the will of the Father. He knows the Father needs him to die and rise again so that the whole of humanity can be ransomed and saved. But Jesus' own humanity is, is kind of struggling to accept that could possibly be the plan. And he says, doesn't he, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. That's how extreme it was for him. But what's his response in that passage? He says, yet not what I will, but what you will. The cross makes no sense. It makes no sense at all in our minds. But God stays faithful. He raises Jesus to life and victory over sin and death because God is faithful and Jesus follows the plan. To have the promise, Jesus has to go with the plan. And because he's perfect and because he's God, he does it. You can't have the promise without the plan. But I know what you're thinking though, right? It's another one of those sermon illustrations with Jesus at the centre of it and it seems completely impossible to live up to. Any one of us putting ourselves in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, I'll put my hand up and say, I definitely would not have made that decision that Jesus made. But here's the good news. Jesus has given us everything that we need to stick to God's plan. He sent the Holy Spirit to fill us, to transform us, to renew our hearts and minds every day so that actually we become more in tune with God's plan, even without realising it, because we're in his presence every day. We don't have to do it in our own strength, like me on the quiz show. If we did, we'd be in trouble. We don't strive with all we have to be obedient. The Holy Spirit is at work in us. He's transforming us to be like Jesus every day. That's how we stick to God's plan. We trust in the power of Jesus to make us more like him. Just like Jesus. Just like Joshua. We need the courage and the strength to come to God every day. And just immerse ourselves in him. And we, when we do that, we say, not my plan, God, your plan. Not my way, your way. Not like me on the weakest link. Not like me with my worship pastor thing. Less bearded lady, more Joshua, right? So tonight... What is your frontier moment? Ask yourself, is this land ahead of me, is it really God's plan?
Are you trying to take control? Are you trusting God enough to stick to the plan wherever it goes? Be strong. Have courage. Let's be like Joshua, throwing down our weapons and ready to trust God just to raise a loud shout and see the walls come down. Let's be like Jesus. He had courage to trust God in the most extreme situation. God's promise. God's plan. We can't have one without the other. But we get to have the promise if we go with the plan. Amen.